Let's pray. The grass withers, the flower fades, O oh God, but your word is eternal. Plant your good news in our hearts. Help us to see something different in the gospel today so that we ourselves might walk away a different people. In your name we pray. Amen. So this text is a tricky, tricky story. It's, it's just so wild and crazy. It's kind of hard to know where to put words on it. I believe I'd have been just like Peter. Like, I'd have started blabbering because Peter and I are extroverts. And, uh, and Mark would have had to say something like, well, Bruce just blabbed something out. He didn't know what he was talking about. Just like we heard about Peter. I, early in the week, I, I got caught by the word dazzle. You know, you don't see uh, the word dazzle in the text too often, but it says when Jesus walked him up, his, his uh, robe became dazzling white, just bleached to the, to the whitest white uh, you could find. But, um, well, but then I couldn't figure out kind of what that had to do with anything else until, until a stranger, never met her, but Diana Butler Bass, who's a writer and a preacher and author, kind of saved me middle of the week. She helped me to find the words this morning. And so I borrowed this idea from her. Because I did. I felt like, I don't know, I don't know what to say. Um, you ever been a part of something? Have you ever experienced something that was so good and so amazing and so wonderful? That you couldn't find the words? Somebody ever put a baby in your arms for the first time? Or maybe for some of you, you heard the word yes when you asked somebody to, to marry you? Or maybe you were walking the aisle uh, to get some degree, and maybe you were the first person in your family, and you were just overwhelmed? You ever been a part of something on the mountaintop that you just can't explain? Or have you been so deep in the valley that you couldn't find words for it? So deeply, deeply anguished about something. Perhaps at a cemetery or in some other place where you just couldn't describe it. Well, so did Peter. And so did James and John. Following Jesus means climbing to some of the highest mountaintops and getting down to the, some of the lowest valleys you'll ever go. And sometimes words, we just don't have them. So if you've ever, if you've ever felt like Peter, don't feel bad. Notice that even when Peter starts to blurt out some stuff, that Jesus does not chew him out, get mad at him, or belittle him. I've heard a lot of sermons where uh, uh, Peter gets kind of picked on. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case at all. Here's what Diana said. Today's readings call attention to the power of speaking. And the power of silence. And that speech is a divine attribute. Not what Peter says, but what God says when the cloud comes down. 
Scripture itself does talk a lot about uh, the speaking God. Right off the bat in Genesis, we start with speech, not creation. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters. And God said, and God blessed them. And God said to them, and God said, the psalm hearkens back to it. The psalmist says, the Lord, the God of gods, has spoken. He has called the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Our God will come and will not keep silence. He calls the heavens and the earth from above. You see, the transfiguration itself is a miracle of speaking. Of what they heard. Moses and Elijah he appear with Jesus. And it's a vision that scares these three disciples first. And then a cloud drops down as if God knows they've had enough. They can't see anything. And then God says, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Without these words, it's just sort of a crazy experience that there's not a whole lot of meaning to. There's so much mystery behind the veil of the fog. Speaking is part of the divine image within us. We were all created in God's image, Genesis 1, 27. And I think a big part of that is that we can talk. I took my beloved dog Luna out for a walk at 5.45 this morning. And I wish we could have had a conversation. Because it was raining and she didn't want to go. Luna can't talk and she's... Awesome and beautiful as I know our dogs and cats and pets are. But God has given us the gift of speech. We too can bless and announce. We can curse early in creation. God paraded all the animals in front of Adam and said, Adam, you want to name all the animals? And Adam goes and duck, aardvark, giraffe, mouse, whatever. God told Moses and John the Baptist, I'm going to give you words to confront the leaders of your day. All they had was words. And they talked back to Pharaoh and to Caesar. We tell of God's faithfulness from generation to generation. We declare peace. We recite poetry and stories. We proclaim the good news. We pronounce mercy, forgiveness, and love. We share thanks. All there are is words. But words mean something to us. If you watched the Grammys last week, and Jen and I did, Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs. I, you know, I'm two wonderful, amazing people who would never collide in any other circles were singing fast car together. And you know, it's hard to tell what the environment is at these Grammy Awards, but I could tell you could hear a pin drop and everybody was hanging on Every word, even though I wasn't there, the energy was electric. It was palpable. The words she penned 30 plus years ago to Fast Car, they still mean something to so many people. So powerful. And the country singer, of course, Combs, uh, redid it. Did it as a cover. That night, her song got the most hits on Spotify, Amazon, and Apple. The music is beautiful, yes, but it's the words of this Unbelievably brilliant songwriter, Tracy Chapman. Nick Saban. Did you hear the new gig he's got? I wish I'd applied. 
He's going to get paid $20 million next year just to talk. That's, that's more than Alabama played him to coach. Because when Nick talks, people listen. And he gets a raise to use his words. Words are valuable. They're life-giving. But we often get it wrong, don't we? Like other aspects of God's image, our speech can be so distorted. Sometimes we look through that dark glass that Paul talks about. But we think we know everything perfectly. So we think we need to pronounce something without knowing the whole... Has anybody ever done that? Woo! I do it all the time. Usually what we see might be jagged and deformed. And a lot of times we see things that we don't completely understand. And on the mountain, Peter saw something so amazing, but he misconstrued its meaning. He jumped too quickly into speaking and using those valuable gifts that God has given him, his words. Oh, let's, let's build a temple. Let's, let's tell the world. But you see, he lacked the experience and the insight to truly understand. And he was afraid. And nobody sees clearly when they're afraid. When you're afraid, that might be the best time just to keep quiet and keep waiting. Speech can injure as well as bless. I am sure you can think of the time somebody put a scar on you by limiting you, demeaning you, bullying you. And you still feel it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, says Proverbs. We got to be so careful with our words. Sometimes we think we're telling the truth and we're really projecting our own hurt on other people. Words without humility can do a lot of damage. It's a wrecking ball that can do tremendous harm. I was told by a wise older preacher once who told me, Bruce, preach out of your scars, not out of your wounds. Which I took to mean something great, mountaintop or something valley has happened to you, give it some time before you start talking about it publicly. Be careful with your stories. Wait a little bit to learn from that experience before you share it. All, I can say this, I don't know if it's true for you, but all the mistakes I've ever made as a teacher, preacher, or writer have come from speaking too soon with too little reflection on the meaning of what I've witnessed or experienced. I spoke without understanding. Maybe that's why Jesus told him at the end, did you get that? Don't well, it, it, I don't know if Jen read it or not, but right either, it might have been right after that. He tells him down the hill, don't tell anybody. I was like, Jesus, what are you talking about? Get it out, market it, you know, put it in a publication, you know, um, get it on YouTube, you know. But he says, don't tell anybody. And this crazy Super Bowl experience is at the halfway mark in Mark's gospel. They're, they're halfway to the cross. You see, they've yet to experience the thing that will shape their words. They'll need a few more words from Jesus on the other side of the cross before they'll do any good speaking. You know, it's hard to know sometimes when to speak and when to keep silent. And I think it takes a lot of maturity. And the older I get, I hope that the less I respond verbally, or at least I wait a little bit longer. Jesus wasn't telling Peter, James, and John to be quiet 
to control them or manipulate him. He was prompting them into the practice of listening. Because the better listeners we are, maybe the more wise our words will be. Quiet reflection. That they might seek to understand before they want to be understood. Because the miracle really isn't Jesus' angelic appearance. It isn't being joined by Moses and Elijah. The miracle happened when they heard the voice. This is my beloved, my son, in whom I am well pleased. Without the words and the following silence, this would be reduced to a feeling or an experience. It would be spiritual tourists trekking up the mountain to see where Jesus glowed in the dark. But I think Jesus invited them into speech and silence. And and maybe we don't have to share everything we've ever experienced. Maybe when we experience things that we can't put words on, maybe that's sort of the dazzling white that we wear. That the white, dazzling white of Jesus' robes sort of decorates our words or does something underneath them so that our words can be more graceful and more beautiful and more powerful. More than words. It was a more than word terrible event that happened in Haiti a few years ago. You remember it? It was when Haiti suffered the most awful earthquake and it killed many And there was young Joseph there who lost both of his parents in a collapsing home. And Joseph was interviewed and he he talked about uh, this young kid who was wise beyond his years. He talked about what helped him move forward. It was family from all over came, his cousins and others in his family. And as he was about to do something that he never thought Uh, uh, he would need to do at least any time soon to bury both his mother and his father. They took the clothes of his mom and his dad and they wrapped them around his waist so that he, without words, could follow the casket and say goodbye to his parents. And then, on the other side of that, He was able to tell the story of the dazzling white of his family and people who loved him. And it would always be more than words. And he said, that's what gave me the strength. So, whether you have the words for what you're going through or not, whether you can explain it, whether it's really good or not so good, know that the dazzling white presence of Jesus goes with you and will adorn your words, whatever they are. This is countercultural. If you've been shaped by the presence of Jesus, then you don't have to explain it. And the pressure's off. Just be present and let God's grace adorn all your words in dazzling white. And the world will be transfigured. Let us pray. God, in a world of a lot of noise, 
in a world of lots of mountaintops and valleys. Help us first to hear your words before we speak. And give us the wisdom to know when to be silent. And when it's time for us to speak, give us the words to say. All these things we ask in the dazzling white robe words and the word of Christ. Amen. Okay, y'all.